0: From Brown Cow Studios in Montana, this is News Nerds. On this week's episode, we listen back to my interview with Alice Waters from earlier this year. Alice Waters is the founder of the Chez Panisse restaurant in Berkeley, California. She helped create the farm-to-table movement in the United States and writes about sustainable food in her new book, We Are What We Eat, a slow food manifesto. Also, the Geographical Location Challenge, where a new country is on the leaderboard. I'm your host, Ezra Graham, and this is News Nerds. (laughs) Let's now go to my interview with Alice Waters. I interviewed Alice Waters earlier this year. She is the founder of the Chez Panisse restaurant in Berkeley, California. She helped create the farm-to-table movement in the United States, and she writes about all of this in her new book, We Are What We Eat, A Slow Food Manifesto. child what food were you brought up on? I grew up in New
1: Jersey and my parents had a victory garden that they made during World War II to help feed themselves and their children and so they kept that garden all during my childhood. Mind you, we had snow in the winter And uh, the garden had uh, had a beautiful array of vegetables in the spring and the summer. And so we ate from that garden all summer long. But in the winter, (laughs) that was another story. My mother wasn't a very good cook. But we always had to have vegetables and a meat and potatoes. And we always had a fruit for dessert. We never had sweet desserts because she wanted us to eat healthy foods. So even though she didn't know how to cook, she cared about what, what we were eating.
0: When did you decide that you were going to be a cook and then dedicate your life to cooking?
1: I went to France when I was 19. And I felt like I had never eaten before. I had one of those hot baguettes from the bakery. And I spread it with apricot jam. And I thought it was the best thing I ever had. And then I had wild strawberries. And I said, where did these come from? And they said, oh, these only come from this place at this time. And you have to go up in the woods and find them. And I, my whole world opened up through that experience of tasting food. And being in Paris, when it was really a slow food city, (laughs) and France was a slow food nation. There weren't any fast food or productions of food that were not completely seasonal and local. So I came back from France, and I said, I want to eat and live like the French. And that was the beginning. That was the beginning. I started cooking for my friends. And then I said, well, maybe I can make a little money doing this if I opened a restaurant.
0: So how did France, uh, France's cuisine influence Chez Panisse's style?
1: Completely. Because I loved the little restaurants in France that were family owned, small, And all of them had a fixed price menu so that you could have three or four courses for a special price. And I thought, well, how incredible could that be if we just did one menu a day and then we wouldn't worry about wasting food and we could get people to taste things they never tasted before. And and that's, that's how we began as a little group of friends.
0: And then how did Chez grow from there? Uh, What did the evolution (laughs) of the restaurant look like?
1: It was really just that little fixed price menu for the first 10 years. So everybody who came and it changed it every day. And it was completely in season. And that was what was probably most important to Chevenix. That in the evolution was to decide that we were only going to eat ripe food in season. We weren't going to bring it in from someplace else. And the ripe food came from the organic local ranches and farmers. And that's how we built a network, and that's how the restaurant, I believe, got the reputation it did, because people seem to like, you know, that beautiful ripe peach in August.
0: How did you s- decide to, uh, to to put Chez Panisse at 1517 Static Avenue in Berkeley?
1: I lived in Berkeley. And I was looking around for places to have a restaurant. And then I saw this house that was in a commercially zoned area. And it was right close to a cheese shop I loved, the cheese board, and right around the corner from a coffee shop I loved. And I thought, this could be perfect. It's a house already. And we could make it into a restaurant and you could feel like you were eating dinner at somebody's personal place. And, that's, and after 10 years, it um, was so busy. And our friends that we wanted to come couldn't afford to come. So we opened upstairs in the restaurant uh, a cafe. And we've had a cafe for 40 years and we've had the restaurant for 50 years.
0: What was so appealing to you about organic food?
1: Well, first, the taste. Um, I knew, of course, that it would be good for me because in Berkeley at that time, I had read the books, Diet for a Small Planet, and I knew about Silent Spring, about the pesticides in the food. Everybody who lived in Berkeley knew about that. But I was looking for taste. And it turned out that when I found the farmers, they were the organic farmers. And then we went looking for a farmer of our own. My parents, went to Davis University and asked for all the farms that were within one hour of and So all the organic farms. And then they went to visit them and they chose Bob Kennard's farm. And they said, this guy is doing something incredible. And he's only an hour away, so you can take up the scraps from the restaurant, and bring down the vegetables.
0: What does the atmosphere like, uh, how do people feel inside Chez Panisse? What what is the feel? (laughs) I'm glad you asked that question.
1: I care very much that it felt warm and that it smelled good. So we have a fireplace in the restaurant, pizza oven. We burn rosemary in the fireplace and we have an open kitchen. So anybody who's eating in the dining room could walk in the kitchen and see what's going on. And I have copper lamps in the kitchen. The kitchen is very beautiful. And the dining room looks out towards the west. So when the sun sets, you can see the beautiful light coming all through the restaurant into the kitchen. And upstairs we have big flower arrangements, one on the bar in the front one in the back of the restaurant and we always want the flowers to be in season two so that you when you're in the restaurant in the fall it's full of fall leaves and then the spring right now we would have cherry blossoms probably or plum blossoms we're a little bit ahead of you in montana
0: what does the atmosphere feel and look like in the kitchen
1: we have wooden surfaces. There's very little stainless steel because I wanted it to not feel cold. I was, it was very important that we use the wood, wood top tables. And there's some brick around the pastry area. And again, there are copper lamps that hang down in the kitchen.
0: So you did this other cool thing uh, after you started shaping Panisse called the Edible Schoolyard Project. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Well, I was worried about where my daughter was going to go to school. And so I started investigating the public school system in Berkeley. And somebody was interviewing me one time and I said, how could the schools look so run down? I, there's graffiti all over the school that I pass every day on my way to Chebanis. What's happened? And I found out that the schools were not being funded anymore. And so I commented on this in a newspaper, and the principal of the school called me up, and he said, "Come and help us make the school beautiful." And I think he thought I would plant a garden in front, but right away I had a very big vision. I was a Montessori teacher and I knew that kids learn best by doing, by actually working and doing, they're empowered by by using their hands and their eyes and their smell and ears. Those are our pathways into our minds. And so I said to the principal, we could make a garden classroom and a kitchen classroom where we could teach all of the academic subjects. So he said, yes. (laughs) And we planted a garden. And we taught math and science and even art out in the garden. And then we had a kitchen classroom and we taught history and we would cook the food from the country we were studying. And the children loved it and always never missed a class, never missed a class. And so after 25 years now, I know that those students will always take care of the environment and they will always care about their own health. And they will be take pride in cooking. So I'm hoping that we can really change the cafeteria of the school. That's the next plan.
0: There's another thing that you talk about a lot, which is compost. Um, so, why did you start composting? We did because
1: Bob Kennard wanted all the scraps from Chapinese. He believed in regenerative agriculture. And so, he wanted to make this very rich soil for all the vegetables to grow in. And he knew the compost was vital to make that happen Um, and he knew that the health of his vegetables comes from the soil and all the little bugs and all (laughs) the richness of that soil give nutrition to the food and he told me at the beginning that his carrots were 10 times more nutritious than anybody else's. And I thought he was joking, but it turns out he was right. They are.
0: What are your favorite food items that can be found in your kitchen or your pantry?
1: Uh, Right right now, I'm loving eating the little tiny kishu mandarin oranges. They're little small ones, no seeds in them, easy to peel. I think kids could eat about 10 or 20 at a time. Mm -hmm. They are irresistible. But I always have good olive oil. I always have garlic. I think it's very important to have herbs. Growing some plates, even in a windowsill. I love thyme, I love rosemary, I love bay. I love all the, I I have parsley and chervil, but these are what can give food flavor at any time of the year. If you have a little greenhouse in a cold place, but I cannot live without lettuce. I make salads for myself all the time, sometimes twice a day. I always put a little something green on my plate. But that's a very French thing that I learned, how delicious watercress was. And I, I love citrus, particularly lemon. I grate lemon in a lot of the food that I have. I make vinegar. I think good vinegar and olive oil are essential. Good pepper, hot pepper too. And I love tortillas. I get organic tortillas and I have fried beans. And so I can make a pot of beans for myself every week and I can have a little taco in a minute with beans that I spice with cumin. But those are kind of the essentials. Have you ever and eggs? Eggs. I forgot about eggs. Eggs right from that chicken. You've got chickens, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you ever gotten tired of cooking? Are there days when you just don't want to cook?
1: There are days that I don't want to cook a lot, but there's never a day that I don't take time in the morning to cook myself an egg or have a piece of the wonderful toast that comes from Acme Bread Company i i really i really like knowing that i can please myself garlic toast in the afternoon sometimes these days with olive oil on it it's delicious but I think that we need to all have those basics, skills. And it's, it would be very sad for me if I had to rely on somebody's cooking all the time. I, I love to feel like I can do it myself and to, to my taste.
0: So what are your top... Two or three dishes that you like in yes. this season, winter, though.
1: In winter. Well, I certainly like to roast a chicken or to grill a chicken. I do like to do that at this time. I make risotto. We have some wild mushrooms. I always have a chicken stock. That I make with all the bones from the chicken that I've roasted, and that it, the aroma in the house. I'm always looking for that aroma that people uh, like. Um, you know, in the fall, I roast peppers and on the on the grill, and they have such a, a tantalizing <laughs> scent that uh, everybody wants to come to the table. I love that about food.
0: So your daughter Fanny must have been very lucky at school. What did she get for her lunch?
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you read her book? I have not. It's called Always Home. And she talks about her whole childhood and, and what it was like growing up with me (laughs) and it's i think you'll you'll love it You, you remind me of her and so she she wrote this book last year it came out this spring but she wasn't able to go on book tour so we did a lot of you know little things together but uh i always have a salad. At this time of year we're having chicory uh, lettuces of every color of the rainbow. Some are lime green with purple spots, the chicories, the Italian varieties are incredible. And I I love to make um, a, a, Greens, we, Fanny and I both love winter greens, just of all kinds that you're mixing together, cooking with a lot of garlic and spices, and just cooking them till they're very tender. And you can use them in lots of different ways. Just as a vegetable on the side, or even if some are over, I cook them up in the morning and put them in my taco. But greens, I love to make cornbread. But salad is my thing. We shave carrots the long way. Of all the different colors of carrots, red ones and yellow ones and orange ones together. I think the, the diversity of vegetables makes winter time very beautiful. And we're just learning about that in this country. But having the seeds that come from all around the country and around the world are very important to to our global heritage. And I am fascinated by how many tomatoes we have in the summer now. There used to be only a couple. And colors, and now there's every color of the rainbow, every color.
0: When the COVID pandemic started uh, last year, uh, how did Chez Panisse respond?
1: Immediately, we said we have to save our farmers and our ranchers. We have to help them. We have to open up a kind of farm stand so that we can sell food, farm boxes, to people to go. And so that was number one thing that we did. And we were able to very successfully and immediately pivot. And over a period of time, we learned how to cook food and put it in a box (laughs) and sell meals to go but still we're learning and uh we're very happy that we have customers who support us and we're selling other things besides the vegetables and and, and the meals we're selling olive oil we're selling vinegar from people we're selling bread we're selling almonds we're selling all the things that that we use at Sherpenny's.
0: Alice Waters, thank you so much for being on News Nerd.
1: (laughs) You're so welcome. You're not nerds. (laughs) You're the future, do you know that? You're the future, you give me great hope for your knowledge of food and your connection and your willingness to do a whole podcast about it, so. I'm grateful to you.
0: Thank you. Let's now go to the News Nerds Geographical Location Challenge. With first place, the United States with 97% of all News Nerds listeners. Norway takes second place with 1% of News Nerds listeners. And the third place runners-up, For the international challenge are Portugal, Canada, Australia, the United Kingdom, Germany, Bosnia, and Herzegovina, India, France, the Philippines, Switzerland, Spain, South Africa, and for the first time in news nerds' histories, Finland. And let's go to our United States challenge, where Virginia has 14% and first place. Ohio and New Jersey take second place this week, both of which have 7% of News Nerds listeners in the United States. And third place, Washington, with 6% of all News Nerds listeners. That's it for this week's episode of News Nerds. On this week's episode, I was your host, I'm Ezra Graham. You can find us on the web at newsnerdspodcast.com. There you can listen to past episodes of News Nerds, Cowpies, and other News Nerds Extras. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. While you're there, please subscribe to the podcast. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It really helps our ratings. Another way to listen is by listening on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on KGVM, community radio for the Gallatin Valley. If you are not in the Gallatin Valley area, go to KGVM's website, kgvm.org, to listen on their live stream. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of News Nerds. Until then, bye-bye.